Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to week seven in the NFL. It has been an interesting week here in Houston because we had a couple of World Series games, neither of them successful. The Rockets started up their season on Thursday evening. And, of course, the Astros outside the world of baseball were at the center of a controversy controversy, as the Brits say, over their assistant general manager's boorish behavior towards a group of female reporters in the locker room after they clinched the American League. I am not going to be getting into any of that. I only offer it up as uh, a little bit of an illustration of, of what's been going on in Seth Payne's world. I am not going to solve all of those issues on this podcast. We've talked about it on our radio show, and uh, it's 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 been a soap opera. More information being revealed by the day, uh, alternating apologies and non-apologies by the Houston Astros. You see, see what's happened. I'm going to start getting into this already. <laughs> I, I will. I will not do this. We'll stick to the NFL. If you're enjoying the podcast, please give it a five star review on iTunes. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. That would be great. And just enjoy the rest of the show. Ah, you're doing the Lord's work, Washington Redskins. Abraham Lincoln reportedly said, whatever you are, be a good one. I would add on to that. If you can't be a good one, at least suck very quickly because that's what the Redskins have done for two weeks in a row. Their cause is an absolutely lost one, but what they're doing is losing Last night in two hours and 41 minutes, the week before in well under three hours. I think last week's game was the fastest NFL game in a decade, something like that. So if if you're going to be awful, don't subject the listeners, or excuse me, the viewers, especially on a Thursday night when we have work the next day, to too long of a drubbing. And they didn't. By the way, I'm not going to lie to you. When I thought of that quote, I looked it up. Turns out that that's always attributed to Abraham Lincoln. And Abraham Lincoln, who famously died in 1865, a bit of an incident, he he was never attributed that quote until 1945. So there's some poor English novelist, William Makepeace Thackeray, who died in 1863. Up until 1945, everybody had been saying that this Thackeray bloke had been the guy that said that, and then somehow it got lumped in with Abraham Lincoln. Same thing happened with that quote that drives me crazy about genius, uh, insanity, where it says, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. People attribute that to Einstein. Einstein never said that BS. It doesn't make any sense. A lot of times doing the same thing over and over again, uh, expecting a different result is what we call practice. 
You just keep practicing something, and then all of a sudden it clicks for you, and you get a different result. It's going to be many different things. Insanity, making Einstein, Einstein sound like a twerp. I think, and I think that quote, people only think it makes sense because it was attributed to Einstein. And, uh, and people, people that know me know how much that show, that, uh, that quote bothers me. But I digress. The Minnesota Vikings just whoomp up on the Washington Redskins. And Adrian Peterson looks pretty good. Uh, he, this is, uh, that, that's besides the point. Adrian Peterson got a standing ovation. He's playing for the Redskins now, of course. And uh, they made a big deal out of the fact that when they put his face up on the video screen at the end, a lot of people cheered and, and whatnot. This is kind of similar to when Brett Favre went back to Green Bay finally as, as a retired player and was acknowledged by fans that had grown to hate him. Now, let's remember, what did Brett Favre do? Brett Favre was kind of nasty about the way he left the Packers, then decided to go play for the division rival, the Vikings. So people hated him for a while for typical football fan reasons. This was interesting because the when Adrian Peterson left Minnesota – it was under uh, a hail of not even allegations. He was whipping his kid with a, a switch and was facing criminal charges for that. And that all got sorted out, of course. He's been back before with the Saints. I think he got the ball six times for 18 yards, something like that. It was a really pedestrian outing. So, But now apparently all is well in Minnesota, at least for the people that were sticking around at the end of this drubbing. Very good game for Kirk Cousins, as we said. Stefan Diggs was intimating that he wanted a trade just three weeks ago, and now everything seems to be just fine. <laughs> Stefan Diggs ends up with uh, the most the most uh, the most receiving yards on the team. Kirk Cousins had the highest completion percentage of any half in his career. He was twelve of thirteen in the first half. Then he set a franchise record with an 88.5% completion percentage, 23 to 26, for 285 yards. It's a very good game for Kirk Cousins, very good game for the Minnesota Vikings offense. And I, I guess would bring us into kind of what I want to talk about today, which is all the coaching changes, where are they right now, what conclusions can you draw? And we saw this with the Minnesota Vikings, who this was not a coaching change, Zimmer's still the guy. But Kevin Stefanski is the full-time offensive coordinator after getting the job halfway through the year last year, but also with the oversight of Gary Kubiak, who comes in and puts in his own system. I think if there's one thing that we've learned, let's say, in the past five, six years in the NFL, it's that if you're going to run a Gary Kubiak slash Mike Shanahan slash Kyle Shanahan slash Sean McVay type of system that it might take a little while to implement because we're see we saw that in Minnesota this year where people thought that Kirk Cousins was a bum now think people think Kirk Cousins is just they'll say Kirk Cousins is always going to have some reservations he wasn't great in the red zone last night and but the offense is clicking just fine Dalvin Cook's leading the lead in rushing and it, we saw this in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers being carried by his defense, lo and behold, up until last week when he goes off, uh, the last couple of weeks where he's looked just fine. And it takes these systems a little while to get going, partially because so much of it is based on the offensive line blocking a certain way, getting the play action working, making the play action look like pass, and then making the pass look like play action. All of that takes a little bit of time especially in these days of limited training camps. And I'm the first guy to say, 
you don't need these ridiculously long training camps. I don't, I don't, didn't like it as a player, and it wasn't that I wasn't tough or anything. It's just stupid that football was the one sport where right before the season, right before the most important part of the year, you say, hey, for six weeks, let's beat the crap out of these guys. Won't it be great? We can all pretend we're in the Marines. The coaches will get to pretend they're drill sergeants, and uh, it'll be all a big old testosterone fest, and we'll beat the snot out of each other and call it getting in shape. That was dumb. But there are limited reps now these days. I, I would say that I wouldn't mind if there were more time for practice as long as it wasn't beating your heads in like it used to be with these smaller roster sizes than they had in, in the 1970s back in the heyday of beating the crap out of your players. But it's going to take a little bit of time. So you can't draw these conclusions about players, especially quarterbacks and wide receivers, early on in the season. And we're seeing that, especially in the NFC North, where, let's see, on the western side of things, You've got the Minnesota Vikings, the Green Bay Packers. On the eastern side of things, the Detroit Lions. Not a new coach, but new enough. And so uh, this doesn't quite fit in with my whole theme of what I'm talking about. Uh, And, of course, the the Chicago Bears and Mitch Trubisky. (laughs) You guys remember we had Michael Lombardi all last year. That That didn't work out this year, by the way, not because I didn't love Michael Lombardi and want him on but uh, because of just a contractual issue with, with my employer. I, I don't want to get into all this. Anyway, Lombardi, Lombardi used to get so much crap for questioning whether Mitch Trubisky was even an NFL quarterback. Because remember, Mitch Trubisky, oh my gosh, uh, up in Chicago, they call him True, I think. Sean Pendergast, my co-host, his sons grow up and grew up, live in Chicago, and, and they get annoyed with all their friends up there, their friends who call him True. Oh, True's the best. He's not the best, and people in Chicago have forsaken him. Now Chicago's going to have to make some decisions. You just can't make judgments on these quarterbacks so early in their careers. You can't make judgments on coaches just two or three weeks into their tenure, it's going to take a little bit of time with these guys. Except Lamar Jackson, who apparently, of course, because we don't learn our lessons with these things, do we now? Lamar Jackson, who I love watching. Don't get me wrong. I love watching Lamar Jackson. But, man, we saw this same thing with Colin Kaepernick. And Greg Roman was his offensive coordinator out in San Francisco. Colin Kaepernick, his first year, his first couple years as a starter, my goodness, it's electric. This is the new age of the NFL. And then everything kind of petered about, out about now, didn't it? Now, not to say that Colin Kaepernick doesn't have worth as a quarterback, but when it was Greg Roman and and Colin Kaepernick and obviously Jim Harbaugh taking the league by storm, it's hard to foresee a time when he's not going to be a, a, this awesome quarterback. Lamar Jackson now. No, no, Lamar Jackson, don't get me wrong. He's a different athlete than Colin Kaepernick. This kid is ridiculous and he is scary. And he's always going to be a threat, a dual action threat, because he can sling it, uh, not necessarily with accuracy all the time, but he can balance that out with a run. Uh, With him, I do think that there are elements of Greg Roman's run game that – I don't want to say they're predictable. They do a bunch of different things. There are themes to it, and there are ways they get to it that teams over time can start to pick up on the tendencies. So we'll see how this this plays out over the course of the regular season. Suffice it to say that Lamar Jackson is so physically gifted and seems to be just a hell of a guy that his teammates really respond. He checks off a lot of boxes as a quarterback goes. 
I would imagine he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. He'll remain a, uh, an above-average NFL quarterback. I just don't know if it's going to be the guy that redefines everything. Speaking of redefining everything, you need to redefine your Sundays because if you are trying to cut the cord or maybe if you're just going to be stuck out of your house or away from televisions, you can't get to a sports bar on Sunday, check out CBS All Access. If you go to cbs.com slash Seth, you can get a free trial where you can watch all your local games away from home on any device you please. Just go to cbs.com slash Seth pretty big moment in my life. I've got my own custom URL. I don't know. I think this this trial ends soon, so just go ahead and go to it. I'm joking. It's not a huge moment in my life, but it's a big enough moment, and it's a big moment for you because you get to watch all your CBS programming away from your home, wherever you pl- please, and it's not just football. It's all CBS programming, so really cool. Uh, CBS.com slash Seth to get that free trial, and just like you can swap your inability to watch football with an ability to watch football when you go to cbs.com slash Seth. Teams have swapped some things, including the New England Patriots uh, swapping Michael Bennett over to the Dallas Cowboys. This was this was a train wreck you could see coming a mile away, was it not? This has been an interesting year for the New England Patriots because Bill, Bill Belichick in the last couple of years has been said to uh, said that he's at a point in his career where he doesn't want to have to deal with coaching players that he doesn't want to coach. And I have no doubt that he really, really respects Michael Bennett as a football player, and that's why they brought him in. But Michael Bennett's always been a guy who does not bite his tongue, you know, very charmingly so at times. But he's not going to maybe follow the Patriots' way, and I would think that would be pretty obvious. It didn't go very smoothly after he started week one. By week six, he'd played just 11 of 50 defensive snaps when they beat the Giants, and he reportedly got into some kind of altercation with Brett Bielema. That's right. Brett Bielema is the defensive line coach there. Big old Brett from Arkansas. You remember him? Uh, he and, and he's, he's, he's not the quietest guy on earth either, so I bet they had some fun in that defensive line meeting room just with maybe altercations. Uh, as, as Michael Bennett said, Invoking free speech here because that's what uh, nobody nobody really understands the First Amendment now, do they? It's America. You can voice your opinion how you feel about certain situations. That's what I did. I got suspended, lost money. What am I supposed to take away from that? There's no love lost. It's just how it is. Now, he is, it is correct. The, the police are not going to come after you for speaking up in a situation at your job unless you're threatening to blow the place up or something. But it does not necessarily guarantee you freedom of repercussions from your employer and to be fair to Michael Bennett that's not what he was saying necessarily here it is uh is these, these situations like we have with China and Hong Kong right now in the NBA it drives me insane it drives me absolutely insane that people don't understand that yes you have freedom of speech but that doesn't mean that if you piss off certain people, there aren't going to be consequences. And I fully support Daryl Morey in tweeting whatever the hell he wants or any other NBA player. I think they should be able to because I don't want China dictating terms about what I can and cannot say. Uh, but regardless, it's not a First Amendment issue. You can, call, you can call it free speech if you want, but it's free speech as it relates to your employer and whatnot. It's not a First Amendment issue. Anyway, Michael Bennett 
shuttled out of there. There was a trade, Gary on Conley to the Houston Texans. That's a kind of a boomer bust proposition, I think. And I think that Gary and Conley is going to fit in the Texan system a lot better than he did in, in the Raiders system. Gary Conley is a guy that can play press man, and they had him playing a whole bunch of zone or off man coverage in Oakland. That's not his deal. I think the Texans will slide him right in, and he'll play a bunch of that. And he's going to have an opportunity. This is a guy who was a first round pick who's going to have an opportunity on a team where one of your starting cornerbacks in Jonathan Joseph is banged up and 35 years old. Uh, the other guy that's been playing a bunch uh, is obviously Bradley Roby. He's on a one-year contract. So there's a chance that the Texans could be set up with their second-round pick, Lonnie Johnson, and now Gary on Conley, and perhaps they re-sign Bradley Roby. I would imagine Jonathan Joseph is really, really close to retiring. He he renegotiated his contract to come back this year. I think he was prepared to sit back and not play this year. I think he's he's at peace with himself in the universe at this point. So things will change there. Bunch of other trades and interesting things, obviously. Mohamed Sanu going to the aforementioned Patriots. This makes a lot of sense. And the Patriots give up a second-round pick, which is basically a third-round pick because you know the Patriots are going to be picking at the back of that round. I think this is exactly what they need. We know the drama that's gone on with their wide-receiving core. Antonio Brown is still out there. Remember remember a few weeks ago when I vowed not to talk about Antonio Brown anymore? I, I, I don't think I have to worry about this, but I feel like because every time I would try to record a podcast on a Friday and talk about Antonio Brown, there would be eight hammers dropped between the time I finished recording and when I actually uploaded the podcast one hour later. I think we've obviously slowed down a little bit. There reportedly are teams out there interested in signing Antonio Brown. He just he's he's so crazy. I wonder I wonder if you just you sign him as late in the season as possible when you hope that maybe he gets just a few weeks of distraction free production. But there's also a concern apparently that what if uh, what if there are other lawsuits out there waiting in the wings? What if there are other allegations or what if there are other hammers to drop or stories that are written and perhaps a website is just waiting until Antonio Brown signs somewhere so they can hit send or enter on the on that blog page? So which is I, I don't think he's getting any more guaranteed money, especially since he may have uh, he may have he may have texted Mark Davis saying he wanted out in Oakland, which would keep his case from saying that he deserves his guaranteed money in Oakland. That would be a that would be a blow to that. So Antonio Brown not worried about Call from Mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We keep seeing A.J. Green's name mentioned as a potential trade piece. Uh, Boy, as miserable as everything is in Cincinnati right now, and I... I know the Bengals don't seemingly care about their fan base, but you send A.J. Green away from there when you've got a brand-new head coach in Zach Taylor and things are just going atrociously, I you'd have to be getting something pretty spectacular in return. That's the, the one thing. Come on. Come on. I can just hear the Bengals fan base crying 
begging and pleading at the feet of Mike Brown, the owner, just please don't take A.J. Green from us. Although, it might be pretty spectacular to watch A.J. Green. Boy, A.J. Green is in prime Carson Palmer territory here where he could probably force his way out. Remember, Carson Palmer threatened to retire. That's how much he hated being with the Bengals. It's it's not a fun place to be a football player because they just – show all the time that they have no commitment, no genuine commitment to winning. At the same time, I do know one former player who played there who said it's a it's an odd type of loyalty they have to their players where guys kind of just stick around. If you especially if you don't make waves, they have enough wave makers on the Bengals because they'll take anybody. Uh, the, uh, if you do your job and just perform almost adequately, they'll keep you around and they'll keep paying you. So it's a weird it's a weird little bit of non-performance, non-edgy, but still kind of familial feel to the Cincinnati Bengals. If AJ Green agitated for it, which seems to be all the rage these days, players forcing themselves out, the hold in, as Andrew Brandt calls them, why not AJ Green? And who would elicit more sympathy in his cause than AJ Green? I don't think he would even be lambasted by the loudest of first take types. I don't think I don't think anybody would criticize him at all. AJ Green deserves to be somewhere we actually has a chance, but the Bengals, the one smart thing they might do is they remain insistent that they will not trade him. We've seen that before. Look, we've seen that the teams will say that they flat out won't trade somebody and then he gets traded. I don't think A.J. Green is going anywhere. But given the history of my proclamations on a Friday, that might mean that he gets traded tomorrow. But as of now, A.J. Green, no go. One of the other notable trades that was made was Quandre Jiggs of the – Lions getting traded to the Seattle Seahawks. Darius Slay, the cornerback, was none too pleased about that, saying, quote, no matter how much you put in, at the end of the day, it's a business, so that's how I just look at it. Nobody's safe, in my opinion, unquote. That's very true, and Darius Slay understands that side of the business. He says that he's uh, realized it even more. The, the Lions are an interesting case. I think when you're playing for a team and you're trading away good players, in the off season, it's bad enough. And I can't think of any time that I played where there was a notable player traded in season before we were out of playoff contention or anything. When obviously the trade deadline is when it is. Nobody's usually completely out of playoff contention. But I think there might be a sense that uh, it's hard not to think that management's kind of punting on the situation. We see this in baseball where players get really vocal about if they feel like their team's helping them or hurting them as they approach the trade deadline. But... It's a it's a tough deal because you're trading a future pick for a current player, or you're trading a current player for a future pick. That's something that's very much about not this year, and especially in Quandre, Quandre Diggs, who just got a new contract, I believe, last year. Maybe it was two years ago before, before big old grumpy face got there. Talking about Matt Patricia, of course. Boy, he was at training camp in the Texans, and he had that torn Achilles, so he was riding around on a four-wheeler, a a camouflage four-wheeler with a Detroit Lions logo on the side. And he would go around these crowded practice fields where you have two full NFL rosters, you know, two full NFL preseason rosters out there, so damn near 200 football players and all the attending staff. And the guys, frankly, driving with a reckless abandon around, not giving a damn whether he almost runs into people or not, like some little uh, chubby prince that's entitled in what uh, they're two, three, and one. They're punting on the season. I kind of get it. Look at the division they're in. 
but not a whole lot for Detroit Lions fans to feel good about right now. I suppose you have Matt Stafford, and as long as as long as you have Matt Stafford, you have a chance versus non-playoff teams in the regular season. Oh, oh, one thing I wanted to get to that has nothing to do with trades or new coaches or anything else has to do with our favorite mono victim in the NFL right now, Sam Darnold, who in this game last week was mic'd up on the sideline and. They caught him saying that he was seeing ghosts out there, uh, befuddled by the Patriots' defense. As many quarterbacks have been. No shame in that. I mean, I'm not quite as bad as you guys were, Jets. But it, it's not something you typically hear when somebody's mic'd up. When a player gets mic'd up, he doesn't have to do it. Some players like it. Some enjoy it. Some you can see are definitely acting up for the cameras and the microphone, I, I suppose, specifically. But usually there's kind of a, an understanding, hey, NFL films might say, thanks for helping us out. We're not going to embarrass you. Well, that was embarrassing, especially because people people hear that phrase. I've noticed this over time. When a player says that they're seeing ghosts, that's a common football term for just being fooled. Sometimes you think, oh, oh no, something's happening. The safety's lurking. You just You get confused or you see something that's not there. But I guess when people hear it, it sounds like you're totally frazzled and freaked out and frightened under the covers because you're afraid of the ghost in the closet or something. It's not quite that dramatic. Still, it's not something that's typically out there. I never, I never allowed. I was asked to be mic'd up a couple times. It's not look, look. It's not like I was a marquee player or anything. But I think that people knew that I was chatty on the field. Uh, I didn't want that for that specific reason. I don't trust anybody. I don't trust. I used to be awful at getting interviewed the day before games by the broadcast crew because I didn't trust people. I might be getting interviewed by Rich Gannon, who I knew was buddies with the opposing coach or something. And I, look, I trust Rich Gannon. He's actually, I shouldn't have brought his name up because he's one of the guys that I would trust. But <clears throat> he, I think he was like the last guy that ever actually interviewed me in one of these pre-production meetings. But they got to be careful about what they allow on. And I saw this with Jadevian Clowney, I don't know if he was mic'd up or if they just had a camera on the sideline. You know, the NFL does a really good job of putting out these this mashup of all this different audio from the week. And they caught Jadevian Clowney on the sidelines talking to a teammate. And Jadevian was uh, giving a fine compliment to the young man he was talking to. I couldn't tell who he was, saying, man, I wish I had arms like yours in your uniform. Your arms and legs look just so big. But then they did that thing kind of like they do – I don't know if they do this on Jimmy Fallon – uh, or one of the late night shows where they'll they'll take a piece of audio and they'll bleep out certain words. And even though those words aren't swear words, it makes it sound way worse than it is. So, uh, you know, like some old lady might be saying, I can't get my, my stuff straight. And they'll bleep stuff out and it'll make it sound like I can't get my shit straight. So <clears throat> Jadevian's talking on the sideline and he says, you look so good in your uniform. You've got big arms. You've got big legs. And then he says, I wish... I keep looking at your bleep. I wish my bleep was that big. I wish my bleep was that big. That sounds exactly like, you know what he's trying to say there. Certain body party wishes was that big. Especially when you listen to the audio, it sounds like that's what he would have had to say. I'm guessing because he was talking about arms and legs that he was just saying, I wish my shit was that big. But uh, it, it does not come out that way. And I feel bad. That's not a homophobic thing either. I ran it through my filter of like, wait a second, Seth. Are you just being homophobic here? No, I believe that two platonic gay friends would not quite say, well, maybe they would. Hmm, let's see. 
You'll be like, okay, maybe I'm wrong there. Maybe it's a homophobic thing. Regardless, I don't think that Jadavion Clowney wanted that out there like it was, especially the NFL with its squeaky clean image. I'm surprised they put anything out there that, that needs to be bleeped out. Although, have you guys noticed, have you noticed that in the broadcasts, more and more swear words are getting picked up by the mics? They have so many mics on the field all the time. And apparently what's happened is that the FCC has kind of come to an area of understanding where they're not going to penalize a broadcast for things that are beyond their control. So if you're, if you're interviewing somebody on the street, obviously, and they, it's live television, they drop a, a swear word or something, then they're not going to penalize you for it. I've always found it interesting in football because if the FCC ever wanted to really be pricks about it, I don't know. I don't know if any federal agencies at this point feel like being pricks about anything. They're just trying to keep their funding. Um, if I, I suppose they could say the NFL should be instructing players not to swear and to be careful about all that. Anyway, I want to get to at least one question that somebody had posed on Twitter for the podcast. Since I appreciate all of you listening. Pat DeStat, Patrick Starr, who's a local blogger here, stateofthetexans.com, he'd asked me if I ever had to have my uniform a certain way when I played, towels, gloves, whatever it might be. I was pretty sloppy about how I looked. I wasn't too concerned about it. There was one thing that I did do, which was I had a friend who had died in college, and uh, Jeff Sendstrom, and I would always write his initials somewhere on my, my tape, either on my ankle tape or on my shoes or on my wrist tape. And I would look at that because he had, uh, he was a really good dude. I, and I, I may have told this story before, so I, I won't go along with it. But uh, I always looked at him as a guy that I wish I was as, as good a, a worker and had a, as good an attitude as he did. I always looked at him as like the epitome of the guy. So whenever things were really hard, I figured, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor Jeff Stenstrom, who would have loved him in playing in the NFL, uh, obviously. So... And uh, so, so that was one important thing. The other thing, too, was, you know what? I, I feel bad about this in hindsight. I always used to wear spikes, the seven-stud cleats in practice, and a lot of linemen don't do that just because it's easier on their feet. So you try to wear as comfortable as possible during the week in practice. But then also because you never want to step on a teammate's foot with your seven-studs and hurt somebody's feet. I hurt a few teammates' feet in my career. I should go back. You know what I should do? I should go back and apologize to all of them because now I had a foot issue a couple weeks ago and I was thinking about how miserable I made some of my teammates' lives after stepping on them on a Wednesday practice for no good reason. And then they have to deal with a, a foot contusion or whatnot, swollen feet for the next three weeks. I apologize to all of you out there even though I can't remember any of whom you are. I can just remember guys uh, screaming like Usually it was offensive linemen, so that's what they get for not getting their feet out of the way quickly enough. I'm just joking. A lot of these offensive linemen, I'm going to be honest with you, extremely good athletes, much better athletes than myself. But because I was a defensive lineman, really because I went to Cornell, because I, if I'd gone to a bigger school, I definitely would have gotten slid over to the offensive line side of things maybe nine days into my freshman year. But I went to a school where my level of speed was faster than uh, maybe they were typically accustomed to, if not a Florida State level of speed. So... I, I kind of glom on to, hey, I'm a better athlete than you. Frankly, a lot of these offensive linemen are pretty astoundingly athletic. And, uh, but I bust on offensive linemen just for fun on, on our radio show. The other day we were out doing, a, doing some charity work for my company. Look, I'm not, I'm not that good a dude, but our company has us do charity work a couple times a year. And I'll just uh, you know pretend that I'm out there volunteering out of the goodness of my own heart. 
but I show up the site and we're helping fix up this elderly lady's home whose home was still damaged from Harvey. And the foreman from this group that we do work with comes <laughs> barreling out acting like he's angry, like, oh, that's Seth Payne. That's the guy that thinks offensive linemen are big fat dudes. This guy was a big guy, really big guy, who played with an offensive lineman at Texas Tech. We ended up having a great time, and he was a big listener to our show. So, listen, all you offensive linemen out there, you're cerebral types. You know that when I pick on you, I do it out of love and respect and um, a little bit of pity, honestly, a little bit of pity. So I'll see all of you next week. Please subscribe on iTunes. Give it a five-star review. Tell your friends. Tell your coworkers. Tell anybody you like. Tell your enemies and give them a hug afterwards because life is short. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.